what happens when you make easy money and let a lot of people come in Bhutan is such a small country and it's a landlocked uh, mountainous country if you had a lot of tourists come in there's no space for the for the locals what would you say to the tourism industry in places that perhaps haven't ever considered that you can you can place a limit on there or that they may be a, a perfect amount of tourism to balance all the different interests listening to Think Revelstoke, a show about the future of tourism in Revelstoke and the greatest challenges of today's tourism destinations, along with the most inspiring solutions. We're speaking to you from beautiful Revelstoke, British Columbia, a city on the territory of four nations where we live, work and adventure, the Snikes, the Shrepmek, the Silks and the Tunaha. I'm Rodney Payne, CEO at Destination Think. And I'm Robin Goldsmith, Destination and Sustainability Manager at Tourism Revelstoke. As part of this podcast, we're reaching out to industry experts and leaders in other destinations to hear their perspective on how we can manage tourism for a better future. Today's guest is Damcho Rinzen. Damcho is the Chief Tourism Officer for the Tourism Council of Bhutan. We're thrilled to be speaking to Damcho, as Bhutan is a very unique example of destination management, and this is somebody that I've wanted to talk to for a very long time. Thank you, uh, Rodney and Robin. It's a pleasure speaking to both of you. Uh, and uh, I've started my tourism career from Canada. I graduated from University of New Brunswick in 2005. And ever since I've been working for the Tourism Council of Bhutan, for the Kingdom of Bhutan, it's over, I think, 16 or 17 years now. Yeah, so it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. Dancha, the Bhutanese example of tourism management is at least at the country level, one of the very uh, few examples that I'm aware of where you begin with a limit to tourism. And it's something conceptually I've thought about and talked about a lot over the years. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if you can start today by telling us a little bit about where you work and what you do. Okay. I mean, I must say this is the perfect timing that we're having a chat on, on the tourism. Uh, I work for the National Tourism Office, Tourism Council of Bhutan, and I head the Tourism Promotion Division as a Chief Tourism, Bo- Chief tourism Officer. The reason I say it's a perfect timing is because uh, tourism started in 1971 with the first office being set up. And then uh, after that, uh, in 1974, uh, we had first group of tourists uh, coming into Bhutan uh, in 1974. Uh, and uh, during that, uh, our fourth king, his majesty, the fourth king, gave us a vision for Bhutan say high value, low volume tourism. Uh, we wanted to attract mindful, responsible visitors. Uh, and, uh, and then thus we, we reduce a negative impact to our culture environment. And at the same time, being able to uh, give a very good experience to visitors. So um, uh, just in 2021, we celebrated 50 years of tourism. And then uh, I think before that, the COVID happened in 2020. And it gave us a time to rethink and redesign and restart and reflect more importantly, uh, on have we achieved the vision of high value, low volume tourism. Uh, then we had to change. Of course, the whole uh, whole nation uh, is under transformation. So everything is being relooked. So the transformation is happening in civil service, in education, in procurement, in taxation, in water, but also tourism. And that's when, again, we had some change. So uh, up until uh, the recent change, people had to pay a mandatory uh, minimum uh, uh, daily daily, daily uh, package rate, which is inclusive of everything. 
but it also included something called the sustainable development fee, uh, which was $65 per person per night. Now with the transformation in tourism, uh, just recently, uh, this has increased $200, nothing included. And you 1,200 for visitors from India. So that is how the two, the, the country has looked at international tourism. Uh, not, I mean, mass tourism is certainly not, not, not our choice of, uh, of, 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 of uh, things to do in tourism. We are looking at more sustainable, uh, more importantly, uh, the tourists can experience uh, Bhutan well, and then Bhutanese can receive uh, tourists in a manner that they should receive. Right, that's, that's interesting. So you mentioned um, that, that fee per night, and you said that doesn't include anything. So that's basically just, just to contribute to um, sort of well-being in Bhutan. Is that, that the idea with that $200 fee? Yeah, it's called the Sustainable Development Fee, STF, and uh, that's being collected. And I know it's also a very uh, uh, good question, uh, Robin, I must say, because we are working on something, uh, we are working on the narratives of how this is being used. This is being used for social development, you know, for, for health. We, get, we have free, free health, free education, um, and of course, farm roads and things like that. But for basically for social development, and when we tell tourists, they feel, they feel a part of the tourism uh, system that they feel that they're contributing to the nation's the, the society's development and at the same time this money is also used to enhance the services service facilities and infrastructure for tourists interesting so i think one thing a lot of people have heard about bhutan or you know people are not familiar maybe with tourism in bhutan and know about the gross national happiness index and that there's uh, an emphasis on on happiness rather than GDP. Could you just um, tell us a little bit about that and how that fits into uh, Bhutanese culture and values? Yes. Uh, so this uh, G G uh, G N H Gross uh, National Happiness is uh, it's a, a, a very interesting policy for us. I mean, everything we, we do, we, it must be in harmony with nature and, of course, for the benefit of the people. Uh, so that having said that, so it's important that whatever we do has to be, uh, you know, we just can't have uh, uh, economic value to it. It has to have social be uh, benefit to it, environmental values to it, culture, heritage. So everything has to be wholesome. Uh, sometimes they say it's a middle path. So that's where this GNH takes uh, its, its, its path in terms of de development. Uh, so if tourism, uh, for example, if money was everything for tourism, we would just welcome the mass tourism. We would not have SD, you know, we just uh, not have this high SDF. We'd want to have a lot of people come into Bhutan and then we easy money, but that is not, uh, even what happens when you make easy money and let a lot of people come in. Bhutan is such a small country and it's a landlocked uh, mountainous country. We only have uh, limited habitable uh, uh, valleys. So if you had a lot of tourists come in, there's no space for the for the locals. There's a lot of environmental uh, negative impacts. There's culture, social. So that is the core of GNH of balancing, uh, of course, economic with human values. Right. You mentioned uh, Bhutan's a small country, so we should probably clarify that. How? What's the population, and and roughly, is there a comparable size that you could think of for Bhutan? Um, I think uh, the in terms of kilometer, thirty-eight, a little over thirty-eight square, uh, thirty-eight thousand square kilometer. Um, and then um, in terms of population, about 700,000 people. Okay, very small. Very small, yes, yes. Some of the things that you've just mentioned about attracting mindful tourists, you know, a vision of, of high-value, low-value tourism, sustainable development fee um, being increased as a result of the, the time and space you've had during the pandemic uh, are truly fascinating. How many visitors 
do you receive each year? Uh, so before COVID uh, 2019, we had a little over 300,000 uh, visitors. Of, of that, uh, only about 70,000 were paying STF. The rest were uh, non-STF paying, coming from the region. But this has changed now with, uh, with the new policy new, new policy in place, where everyone has to pay uh, ST, ST device STF. And uh, Rodney, as, as you mentioned about Mindful, I also want to mention that we now have a new brand. Uh, previously, it used to be Happiness is a Place. Now it's a Bhutan Billy brand. And uh, with this, we are looking into attracting the conscious traveler, you know, who, who, who is very conscious about where uh, he or she uh, travels and the impact that he or she has. Very similar to what how we started in 1974 with the, with the vision of high value, low impact, low volume, uh, volume uh, tourism policy. So yes, I think this, uh, this idea of attracting uh, high net worth individuals and uh, the conscious traveler is something that we are really looking into uh, moving forward. You mentioned that the uh, program has been in place since 1974, so it's nearly 50 years old uh, at this point, and you're receiving 300,000 visitors under the program. Have you steadily increased that number over the years as you've learned what's, what the capacity is to handle tourism? Yes. Uh, this high value, low volume is a, is a guiding policy principle for us, which was not really a program, but a guiding policy principle. Uh, yes, we have increased. Uh, I think uh, uh, 2019 was the highest, of course, before COVID, uh, but it increased over the years. Uh, but now with, uh, with the restart or restart of the tourism after COVID or even now uh, a little bit of COVID, uh, I think the number is going to be very small. But before COVID, yes, the number has been increasing every year. And it was mostly from the, from the regional countries where there was a free move, movement across the border. So before COVID, you got to 300,000 people. And now after COVID, you're going to be reducing that back with a higher fee. Yes. We, uh, we, we want to have, I think the, the comfortable number is a little more than uh, 300,000. I think the comfortable number is probably about more than 300,000. Uh, with COVID, I, I don't know if we can have that uh, number achieved uh, pre-COVID uh, anytime soon. I think it has to be a very progressive yearly increase and, and in ensuring that uh, we attract, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the conscious traveler uh, who are mindful uh, when, when they travel. How do you ascertain who is a conscious traveler? Is, do you have pre-screening before they're allowed to come? Is it the way you market to them? What's the sort of filter that you use to understand who's mindful and might be respectful of culture and, and who may not? truly connect okay it is i think important uh, elements of getting is through the story of bhutan uh, uh, and what bhutan is trying to achieve and believing and by the way the new tagline is bhutan believe and believing in what bhutan is doing and believing in what they how they can be part of, of uh, the new bhutan uh, brand uh, so um, that is uh, that's one of the most important thing about how the country is actually be looking at uh, the kind of people that we want so those people who, who believe in what Bhutan is trying to do, uh, so with the, it's a big increase from $65 in STF uh, from pre-COVID to $200. So, but we have a story and we wonder, we, to, we have reasons of why we do it. And those people who believe in this, they come. Uh, that's one. Of course, the other one is, of course, marketing. We have to get to this, those people that who believe in Bhutan's story and who want to be part of the sustainable tourism uh, movement and, and then who really are conscious about uh, where they travel, what, what are the impacts, and destinations must evolve. And Bhutan has a long way to go. Uh, with that promise, we have to be environmental friendly. We have to have, ensure that there's no litter all over the place. We have to ensure that things are in, in, in good, good shape. So 
um, that's how, I mean, going back to my earlier answers, that's how we try and connect with the right kind of visitors. So how do uh, Bhutanese residents and, and people living in the country perceive the tourism industry? Is it seen as a positive economic impact and positive for culture? Yes, uh, pre-COVID, very much so. I think a lot of people were engaged, uh, over 50,000 or so people were engaged. That's a lot for a small country, like 700,000 people. So they, they feel very positive of tourism uh, being one of the main economic drivers. But with the transformation, the drastic change, uh, it just happened uh, recently. People are still trying to believe that uh, this is good for the country uh, because they cannot now go after every visitor. There has to be a choice who can afford to pay $200 and more so who believe in the story of Bhutan. So that is, uh, that's where, as, as we stand in terms of uh, the, the people are trying to you know, perceive and understand tourism as of now, but certainly they believe that uh, it's a very important uh, economic activity for Bhutan and, and a big opportunity. Right. What's the experience like for me as a, a tourist in, interacting and, and when I visit, uh, how long would I how long would I normally come for and, and what would be the ideal length of trip and, and what would it be like being hosted by, by Bhutan? Certainly, uh, you certainly like to have you as long as you want to stay in Bhutan. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the average length of stay is about six to seven nights. Uh, and uh, I think uh, a lot of people, because our markets come far away from US, Canada, Brazil, I think European countries where they try and club uh, with other countries, uh, so they drew a circuit uh, tourism for them. But uh, we also have uh, European uh, travelers like from Switzerland. They do about 12, uh, 11, 12 nights average. So, but on average, seven, eight nights. But I know Bhutan is such a beautiful country. Uh, like British Columbia is a beautiful place in Canada. Canada overall is, is a beautiful country. I've lived there over five years. Uh, we, you need more time to explore. I, I don't imagine, I don't, I, Canada is a big country, but I don't think I'll do it in, even, uh, even in a month. It's such a beautiful country, so many things. Similarly, Bhutan is a small country, but I think the new brand says that uh, uh, sh no, long journeys, but short, short distances. So that's how the, the concept that we're looking at. But certainly, Rodney, I think you're probably looking at about seven to 10 days uh, to have a good experience of Bhutan. I can't wait. I can't, I, I can't <laughs> wait either. I'm, I'm feeling a field trip coming on. Dancho, you've traveled to other countries and you've experienced management of tourism in a very different way to, to the way you've, you've probably experienced other places and you've lived in Canada. What would you say to the tourism industry in places that focus on economic growth and, and perhaps haven't ever considered that you can, you can place a limit on there or that they may be a, a perfect amount of tourism um, to balance all the different interests? I mean, I think uh, we all have uh, different strategies or different ways of maybe uh, managing tourism. Uh, but for Bhutan, certainly is the experience uh, for tourists. And also, more so, it's how the local people should perceive. If local people try and be, if they believe in, in the importance and the benefits of tourism, and they, if they, more, more importantly, if they feel that tourists are part of their way of life, then it's, it's a great success for a destination. Other, unlike uh, uh, where if the local people start feeling that tourists are a nuance for them, you know, interruption in their daily, uh, daily life, then we are not doing, uh, we're doing the right, right, right thing in, in terms of managing tourism. So this is where Bhutan wants, Bhutan wants to get at balancing um, that tourists also enjoy with the number that we can have. And at the same time, the locals perceive that tourism is part of them. Uh, tourists, visitors are part of them. 
So I think if the other destinations are managed to do this, even if the numbers are big, I think it's okay. But if these are not there, if the carrying capacity is over overloaded and the locals feel the tension, uh, I think it's not sustainable. So that's where Bhutan is trying to uh, not go towards um, where it's not sustainable, but we want to sustain. And with a small number of tourists coming to Bhutan, we want to send them as our ambassadors to Bhutan. We want them to feel good about uh, uh, you know, having spent uh, some time in Bhutan and some amount of money uh, for the country. So that's how we are looking at But if other destinations feel that they can manage to do this, I think it's good. But if they don't manage to do this, I think in long term, I, I don't think it's sustainable. And you know, you and I, we, we all know that uh, with unsustainable tourism practices, a lot of other negative impacts are related to it. So I think this is something that Bhutan is not trying to uh, get there, uh, get at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's interesting that you're talking about the the tourists and being sort of part of part of the culture or, or one with the locals. And um, that seems like a really interesting synergy there that I think in a destination like Revelstoke, we see people see it's us, the locals versus the tourists. And it's nice to, to see it as sort of one so if if tomorrow you decided that you were going to drop this whole sustainable tourism limiting numbers um, and you just thought, let's not have a sustainable um, travel fee, let's just throw open the doors, what do you think Bhutan would look like? <laughs> I know we'll never, we'll never get to the scenario, but yeah, uh, I think uh, we had a taste of this pre-COVID because some countries could come without STF. Uh, especially across the border and close by uh, our country, and we could get get a taste of it. Everywhere we went, at some point of time, we were only tourists. You know, you go to handicraft shops, tourists. You go to a hotel, there were tourists. You go to market. Every I think it, because our country is such a small country and very few in number in people, tourists. I think we could see tourists everywhere. And even for tourists, they don't like it because they they they're not there to see tourists. They're coming to Bhutan and. Um, um, Bhutanese probably wouldn't want to see a lot of uh, tourists, uh, you know, in, in in their places. So this, if we drop this STF, uh, Robin, this could this would be a scenario where tourists would only see themselves mostly because we have a very less number, and Bhutanese would uh, feel overburdened, uh, like whether it be a vehicle pressure, whether it be a number of, for example, we have religious sites here, uh, stupas and monasteries, and um, you know when we go to these places, we don't want. I mean. Because we want to connect with these places, these are spiritual places. But for some tourists, it's just a site for taking photographs. So that mismatch would, would happen, and it was already happening. And if you drop this, Robin, I think that's going to happen. Right. What advice do you have for us in Revelstoke, a, a rapidly growing destination experiencing numerous pressures as we embark on long-term tourism planning? Really, uh, not not an advice because Canada is a beautiful country and, and they're doing a fantastic job in managing tourism. I've been to many places in Canada. I've lived and worked in different places. They're doing a wonderful job. I think the only thing that is really uh, keeping uh, the locals and visitors at core of everything you do, and if they read, uh, if the tourists are not enjoying what they're supposed to enjoy, and if the locals don't feel uh, tourists as part of their life, I think then we are feeling. So as long as these two are uh, kept at key uh, at at the core of whatever we do, environment uh, will sustain the culture, the local belief, and an overall experience of tourists and the the visitors. Would really, uh, I feel that from my experience, having worked uh, in Bhutan, this is actually key for us. So, I mean, for for you all, I think I'm, I know you all do a great job in Canada. Like I said, DC, of course, beautiful country. Uh, not really an advice, but uh, sharing my experience on you know what uh, I have seen over the last uh, 
uh, decade or so. Thanks. Rodney, do you have any more questions? I have. I feel like I could spend hours talking to Dampcho about your experience. It's, um, <laughs> it's fascinating to speak to someone who has applied so many of the principles that we talk about in the rest of the world and that I think a lot of people would love to be able to implement, especially as we've all been um, at, stuck at home a lot more, both in the, the physical and literal sense in the last few years and had time to reflect. And, and many people have experienced their destinations with a lower amount of tourists. And that, that gives you a, a, a window into what, what a difference um, could, could look like. And uh, I, I hope this is our first conversation of many. Um, and and I, I'm excited to uh, book my ticket to come and visit you and experience what it's like to go to a place and not only see tourists. You've, you've certainly sold us. <laughs> I think we're high value. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that I, I sold uh, Bhutan uh, to, to you guys. And you guys are welcome. I think uh, tourism is tourism will only do well uh, when we share experience. I think we open our eyes and hearts and minds when we actually travel to different places. So you guys are welcome. I've been to Canada, lived over five years now. Now that it's your turn to come and experience Bhutan, our small, uh, tiny Himalayan kingdom. Great. Hello. Thanks so much, Damchild. I think there's a lot we can learn um, from the way Bhutan is is managing tourism. You know, it's a very different um, different country in terms of size and scope, but um, there really is a, a lot of uh, crossover there, and we really appreciate your insight. Robin, it's it's a pleasure, and I'm very very happy that. Uh... Uh, to be talking to two of you from Canada. I always say my second home is Canada. I spent a lot of years there. I have so many friends there and they're always saying that please come to Canada. I've been busy here in Bhutan. <laughs> but <laughs> certainly I'd like to come and visit Canada because this is really something that I spent uh, my, let's say, uh, teen, uh, <laughs> teenager as in Canada where I was free. You know, I mean, it's really, I really enjoyed my time there. So thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Thanks, Damchai. Hello, this is producer David Archer. To close our episode today, our hosts share some takeaways from their chat with Damcho. There are some principles that Bhutan use that are really important to consider for the long-term health of tourism. And I feel like in talking to Damcho, we get a little window into what tourism could be. Yeah, absolutely. Even if we don't wholesale adopt the model, there's some really good learnings in there. And I'm, I'm reflecting on some of the principles that he talked about and thinking about the connection with local culture and the need for locals to really feel like tourism is a good part of their life. Yeah, it's interesting. They have such a like diverse approach. The things that I knew were limiting numbers and, and making sure that people are are paying. Basically, that um, STF that he mentioned, um, but he really emphasized the, the brand as well, which I think is really interesting because sometimes I wonder if that's just because so many people in tourism come from a marketing background uh, that we we buy into this branding principle so much. But he he really thought. Um, that having the right brand for Bhutan was was really um, a key part of their strategy as well, which I thought was really interesting and surprised me a bit. And you can tell talking to Dancho that he thinks of brand not as logo or tagline, but really 
what people understand and believe about Bhutan and they believe it's a place that is caring about the visitor economy and caring about that, that balance between resident happiness and resident quality of life and protecting culture so that it's there for people to connect to, so that the tourist value is really obvious. Because he also mentioned something about sending people home as ambassadors, right? And we often think at Destination Think about the opportunity for repeat visitation, but also the opportunity that every person who leaves becomes a, a, a walking billboard for your destination because they just fell in love with it so much. And, and pretty soon, if you, if you get that experience right, that you, you don't really need to advertise as much and you, you can really build brand value in a way that you can start to do the sorts of things that Bhutan has done and really make sure that the whole community is getting a ton of economic and intangible value from tourism. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess there are travelers like us, people who are immersed in the in the industry, and and you know we think of Bhutan as as being this stand up model, um, and and that's what would really attract me, and I think yourself as well to Bhutan. Um, but we're in the industry, and I I think they've done a good job of of spreading that image a little further, um, and and I think the the gross national happiness index is is something people really know as well about Bhutan and they think, wow, I want to experience this country with just these um, alternative values. So um, they do a great job of, of being value driven, I think, both in their tourism economy, but it seems like across the board. Um, and he was talking about all the benefits of the economic benefits of tourism being dispersed to things like free healthcare and education, um, which is, which is really progressive. And I'm uh, doing doing some crude math on the value of their sustainable tourism fee. Before the pandemic, they had 300,000 visitors paying $50 a day. So we're talking about tens of millions of dollars going towards the types of things uh, and infrastructure that, uh, that help to maintain a tourism industry. One thing that's fascinating is even Bhutan took time to pause during the pandemic and are really making a change on the other end of it. They're not just talking about building back better, but they're actually doing it. They're reducing their tourist numbers even further uh, based on what they've learned. So there's obviously, there's obviously something in here uh, that we can learn too. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think I didn't realize um, that they had, you know, this uh, principle and the, and the fee would apply to people, you know, flying into Bhutan or, uh, visiting as part of a sort of Asia, Southeast Asia circuit. Um, but I didn't realize they had a more porous principle with respect to their neighboring countries. Um, and you could see how that would create a disproportionate impact. Um, so I know a lot of destinations have had an opportunity through COVID to sort of pause and, and think about how tourism looks. And we certainly have here in Revelstoke. And it's interesting to hear their reflection on that as well. I think retroactively, creating some kind of program based on these principles for a, a destination that hasn't had them in place for 50 years wouldn't be an easy thing to do. I was really interested to hear that this wasn't easy for them and, and isn't easy for them and they, they get a lot of pressure from the tourism industry to, to open up more. But they've kept fighting because tourism, they see tourism as for the nation where every Bhutanese is a stakeholder for tourism. And I think that's that's a really fascinating 
challenge that they're also recognizing and experiencing. But the principle where every resident is a stakeholder in tourism is something I think we can learn. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like there is a, a real synergy between the residents and the tourists from what his description is that residents see the benefit and, and feel the tangible benefit of that economy and that there's perhaps less of an animosity uh, like we see in some other popular tourist destinations. And that there's no interruption to their way of life and that because of that, the tourists have a better experience because they're connecting properly and not just taking photos of things. And I think you can even see that in a mountain town, um, you know, in, in North America, whether it's Revelstoke or others, where, uh, you know, early in the development of the um, destination, people really, really come for the, the, the types of things that re residents often move for. And more and more um, people come because people are coming and you, you, your brand and reputation takes on a life of its own. The disconnect becomes wider between the people coming and the, the local values. So I think that's something we need to keep in mind as we go forward as well. Yeah, the, the example he gave that really resonated with me was was the example of visiting a temple, you know, a place of um, religious reflection and, and worship and that people are just going, you know, a lot of tourists will go to take pictures and um, but that people are really using those those facilities and having myself traveled through Asia and Indonesia in particular, as you see, like 200 tourists and three people trying to, you know, give an offering at a shrine. Uh, and that that's really interrupted. Um, and I think there's some crossover. You know, we're not a big religious destination here in Revelstoke, but I think a lot of us see um, our sort of religion tied up in, in the mountains and, and where we go to play. So uh, making sure that people taking selfies and, and getting out and wanting to capture their experience isn't interrupting, um, you know, the other uses of those areas. This has been Think Revelstoke, presented by Tourism Revelstoke and Destination Think. Our hosts are Robin Goldsmith and Rodney Payne. This episode has been produced and has theme music composed by me, David Archer. Lindsay Payne and Annika Rautiola provided production support. Our show comes from the beautiful city of Revelstoke, British Columbia, Canada, located on the land of the Sinaixt, the Shishwetmek, the Silks, and the Chunaha. You can help this show by subscribing to future episodes, leaving a review, or sharing it with a friend. See you next time.